Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode number 151. What is going on? I am Matt O'Leary hanging out with you for this lovely episode. Uh, The 2022 season has come to a close, so now I'm going to be answering the biggest questions that the New York Jets are facing this offseason because stop me if you've heard this one before. It's a big offseason for the New York Jets. They have a lot of questions to answer. We'll get into those. I'll talk about... uh, Something I heard that I didn't really like about Zach Wilson and Mike LaFleur, and we'll get into your voicemails, but before before all of that, a word from our sponsors, three, two, one, happy new year. From our friends over at Manscaped, the ball has officially dropped, but that doesn't mean that you have to drop the ball on your balls in 2023. You get what I'm saying? Whether you had a New Year's kiss or not, the leaders and below, the waist grooming have you covered for your much-needed resolution of bringing sexy back Join the 7 million men worldwide, 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use my code JETS20 for 20% off and free shipping. That's right. J-E-T-S-2-0 gets you 20% off and free shipping from Manscaped. Let us have a toast for a new year and a new you and a new you with no pubes. Manscaped. I love it. Let's hop into today's episode. We have... A lot to get into, including the biggest question marks the Jets have to answer this offseason going into 2023. It's I'm sad that the 2022 season is over. They finished seven and ten, which like fast forward. If you went back, if you take a jump back to August before the season started and someone from the future came to you and said the Jets finished seven and ten this year, I would have said, yeah, that that checks out. I pretty I predicted them to win seven or eight games. I'm pretty sure the final one I ended up. Uh, sitting on was eight and nine, just missed the mark there. But the frustrating thing is, we know how it finished. They limped to the finish line. Seven and four turns into seven and ten very quickly, uh, and now there are a lot, a lot of question marks that need to be answered about this New York Jets football team, which is kind of what I want to go through today, and the questions that we need to find answers to this off season. The first one that jumps out, and it's not in any kind of chronological order. I kind of just did it in order of importance, in my opinion. Who's the quarterback? It's a question we've asked many, many, many times as a Jet fan. Who is your quarterback? Because going into 2023, I don't personally believe that you can run back Zach Wilson and Mike uh, Mike White and be satisfied there. I think you need to bring in a veteran. Who that veteran is, we'll spend a lot of time this offseason discussing Off the top of my head, I will list off a few potential options, whether it be Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Gardner Minshew, Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, Geno Smith. People have brought up Sam Darnold. I don't know why, but they have. And uh, add a list and list and list and multiple, multiple options. Some are better than others. Some you have to trade for. Others are going to cost high. Others are not going to cost very much. But the moral of the story is who is going to be the quarterback for the New York Jets next year is the biggest one that I think the New York Jets have to answer. And I, if I was a betting man, which I am, I think the most likely now, Keep in mind, I want to preface this because I, I know how the commenters work. They react sometimes without hearing the full thing. This is not my preferred plan. This is saying what I think is actually going to happen. And if I had to bet, 
I believe the opening day starter for the New York Jets in 2023 is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. Makes too much sense. You have two guys in Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur who come from San Francisco, which is where Jimmy was. And Jimmy had a lot of success with Mike LaFleur as his passing game coordinator. They've worked very, very closely together. If they have that playoff mandate, or if the expectation is you got to make the playoffs in 2023, who do you think Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur, assuming Mike LaFleur is here, because that is something that we're going to get into next kind of in answering some of these questions. But I think if he, he hasn't been fired yet as of recording this on Tuesday evening before a Wednesday release, I don't necessarily know if that's going to end up happening. They're going to say we can do it. We could do it with Jimmy G. We've done it before with Jimmy G. In 2019, they made the Super Bowl with Jimmy G. And I'm just and again, I'm not saying that's my preference, but that's how these coaches think when they're going to be put on the spot and saying there's a lot of pressure. They're going to want to go to what's familiar and what's comfortable with them, and that worked. So, would would a quarterback room of Jimmy G, Mike White, and Zach Wilson next year surprise you? It wouldn't surprise me at all. As I said, I think that's probably most likely. Would I like Derek Carr? I would. I think he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I think that would be better. Would Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Lamar Jackson be splashier? Hell yeah, that would be splashier. And I'm not opposed to either of those options necessarily either. Lamar Jackson's probably the the highest ceiling one because of his age and just he's an, an MVP candidate. Or he won the MVP really in 2019 issue there is what, what are you going to have to give up to get him? How much are you going to have to pay him? And all that stuff that, go, that goes on top of that. He did, And he's missed a little bit of time the last two years. That's the biggest thing there. Is it worth the risk? I would lean yes. But again, none of these options are a perfect solution for Joe Douglas and the New York Jets. That's why I'm glad that I'm not in Joe Douglas's shoes. I'm not the one who has to make that decision. But they have to figure the hell out who is quarterbacking this team in 2023? What is your plan at quarterback when you have such an important season where you need to take that next step? Yes, you went from two to four to seven wins. That's great. You got to win 10 or 11 and be a playoff team next year. That's really not asking too much. Then I kind of hinted at it, but who's calling plays? And the next two are actually kind of together, which who is calling plays and which veteran are you adding to the staff? Because if you listen to Robert Sala's press conference at the end of the season, he made it seem pretty clear that they're going to look to add a veteran. Now, we obviously know what happened with Knapp before the 2021 season. He tragically passes away in, a, in an accident. The distracted driver uh, hits him when he's uh, on his bike, I believe, which is just absolutely awful, awful, terrible, terrible. And in the in the interim, they end up bringing in uh, Beck, who was uh, Zach Wilson's personal quarterback coach. And then he, they didn't bring back Beck. And they never replaced Knapp in 2021, which I understand. But in going into this year in 2022, it was pretty much Mike LaFleur and Rob Calabrese, this is on you to figure out. And it, it didn't work. And is it Zach Wilson? Is it those two guys? Is it a mix of both? Probably is a little bit has to do with everything, all of those different circumstances, right? But what are they going to do? Are you going to bring in a Gary Kubiak, which is a name that's been brought up a ton, to be some sort of assistant. Now, I don't think you're hiring Gary Kubiak and he's going to say, I'm going to be a coordinator and call plays every week. 
I don't think that's likely, but as some sort of senior advisor who's there and just in it and could show the floor the ropes and help the uh, whoever's starting at quarterback and help White and help Wilson if he's here or if you draft a developmental quarterback in the middle rounds in this year's draft. That makes sense. I mean, I did a video at the end of the year of other guys who you could potentially add, veterans who have experience as either head coach or a longtime quarterback coach or a longtime offensive coordinator, Dirk Cutter, uh, Ken Wisenhunt, uh, Mark Tressman. Uh, those those are just a few that uh, Frank Reich is one who's going to get brought up a lot. But if he's not hired as a head coach, I think he's going to get hired as a coordinator. And I don't necessarily know if I see the Jets moving on from the floor to give Reich that job. Maybe they do. I don't think that would necessarily be a bad thing. I think Reich's had a ton of success as a coordinator and even as a head coach, getting a lot out of different offenses with a bunch of different quarterbacks. But I, I would put that as a pretty slim likelihood. But someone like Gary Kubiak makes a lot of sense. Someone like Dirk Cutter, who worked with Jameis Winston and actually got a lot out of Jameis Winston. Was that a perfect marriage? Was Did they ever end up developing Winston into a franchise guy? No, but they got a ton of yards and a ton of passing uh, touchdowns out of a turnover machine there. So who is calling plays? Is it going to be Mike LaFleur? And if it is Mike LaFleur, which veteran are you adding? Because again, it can't be... Just run it back with just those two young guys as the, you know, who's leading the way in the offense. They need a veteran voice in there. Who that is, Sal has got to find him. And he hinted at it, and I think it's something that they do this offseason. And the the final question before I really get into, I'm going to play the clip uh, and, and talk about it. Um, it has to do with Zach Wilson, Mike LaFleur. But the final question is Quinn and Williams. Now, Joe Douglas didn't give away too much. Uh, and some people that scared some people off, not me personally, because I, I know that he's going into negotiations. He spoke and said that he wants to make Jamal Adams a jet for life just to trade him. I don't think he's going to make that same mistake again and say something that he probably shouldn't. I do think Quinn Williams gets an extension. I'm really not worried about it. Someone who had a monster year four, he gets after the quarterback. He's important to this defense. He's a young building block pay, player, a leader on this team. It's different than Jamal. It's different than Leonard Williams. It's different than Sam Darnold. Those are the three that people talk uh, that that people bring up, and they say, "Well, those are McCagnan guys that Douglas didn't want and traded." And then they say, "Oh, well, Quinn Williams is another McCagnan guy. Is he gonna not sign him because that's not his own guy?" A little bit different because we've seen him have the success with Robert Sala. The Jets were going nowhere, and they had Le- they had Leonard and Quinn Williams. And Joe Douglas said, why am I going to pay Leonard Williams a boatload of money, which is ended up what Dave Gettleman ended up doing and the Giants ended up doing, when I, I could trade him because I have Quinnen and we're not going anywhere. So that was a smart move. Darnold, we know what happened there. And uh, Jamal didn't want to be here and was asking for an insane amount of money. So I think it ended up working out in that sense. And I think it works out with Quinnen. He's, again... He's probably going to get $20 million a year, if not maybe more than that. Five years, $100 million, some, something like that. Maybe it's more. Maybe it's $22 million a year. Um, and then you're looking at, what is that, $110 million over five years? He's going to get a mega deal, and he deserves it. He absolutely deserves it, and I'm not worried. As I said, I'm not really worried about that. I'm really not. Let's get into the uh, Zach Wilson and Mike LaFleur story that I want to talk about. So it's a clip from... 
ESPN Radio, the Michael K Show. It's Steve Young, who obviously you know is is very close with Zach Wilson. They both went to BYU. Um, and shout out to Boy Green Twenty Five, Paul Andrew Eston Jr. Boy Green on on uh, on Twitter. We've had him on our show multiple times on this channel. He has his own content. Make sure to follow him. Uh, he does really good stuff. He clipped it and put it on Twitter. But this is from. The my audio from the Michael K show on ESPN radio talking about Mike LaFleur and Zach Wilson's relationship, along with the idea of adding Cliff Kingsbury, which I'll talk about after. I think Mike LaFleur is gone. If you're going to bring back Zach Wilson, you can't have the same coaching around him. If they do decide to let Mike go, Steve, who do you think should be the next offensive coordinator and can maybe fix Wilson? Uh, okay. Is Kingsbury a guy? Um, yeah, I, I, okay, hold on. Wait, let's go backwards. Because we remember we have to mourn the passing of Greg Knapp, who got run over by a distracted driver, which was part of the solution from the from the very from the that was that was part of how he was getting drafted. And right. how I'm sorry about that. Mike and Zach. Zach needs somebody who's uh, uh, not a. I don't. He doesn't need tough love. He doesn't need somebody to like see how tough he like he. He needs someone to, to, you know, he needs um, a big brother and a young, a young uh, knowledgeable, innovative, uh, someone who can trust and says to him, you know what, despite everything that's happened, Zach, I believe in you. You can get this done. Zach needs that. And Mike kind of kept him at arm's length and uh, gave him the tough love uh, aspect. And I just don't think it's really useful for Zach. Uh, if he stays, they've got to fix that. They've got to fix that. That's not working. And it's a broken relationship. It's, it's a relationship that needs mending, um, and that's on both of them. If they do let him go, uh, I would say that Cliff Kingsbury, yeah, I like that idea. I, I like that. I, I need somebody who's who's going to um, – because uh, Zach's problems are not physical. Zach's problems are expectations and what, how he deals with expectations. And that comes from every direction and all the things that come with playing and, 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 and playing great football. And he's got to figure out a way to process all the expectations so it doesn't affect his play. And uh, that's a process that's going to go on. I don't think it's it's not hard. Uh, not hard. It's not it's not long. It's not long suffering. It just needs to find. It's growing up. It's maturing. It's it's figuring out how to how to deal with the the stuffs in front of you. Okay, that's the quote. And thank you again. Shout out to. Uh, uh, Boy Green on Twitter, as well as the Michael K Show on ESPN Radio here in New York. I don't, I don't really like that answer, and I'm not saying that Steve isn't right to have that opinion. That's not really where I'm going. But to me, this says that Zach Wilson was going to Steve Young to complain about how Mike Lafleur was treating him. Right, that's how I think it. Like how how the hell else does Zach Wilson, uh, Steve Young rather, find out that Zach Wilson is being kept at an arm's length? I, I think I think that's firsthand from Zach, right? Hello, connect the dots. BYU, BYU, close relationship. That's how he's going to find out. And I don't like that. And now, to Zach's credit, I think he did get better with the media, and I thought his answers after the the season was over to the media was great. I know the, the internet ran wild with it, with the quote where it was like, if they bring in a veteran, I'm going to make that guy's life hell uh, if I'm here. 
what other answer do you want from him? Do you want him to come out and say, hello, yes, my name is Zach Wilson. I suck. It's over. Like, no, he's not going to say that. The best thing you can say is, you know, I'm going to compete with him every day. I want to prove to the coaches that I belong here and that I should be the starter. That's what he, that's essentially what he did. It was perfect. But in this instance, it sounds like that Zach was going to Steve Young and saying that I don't like how my OC is treating me. And that rubs me the wrong way. And Cliff, God, look, hand up. I was wrong about Cliff. Two guys I was very wrong about that I thought would be good. Cliff Kingsbury, Matt Rule. Those were two guys that I liked a lot, had success in college. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury with Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. And then Matt Rule uh, taking over Baylor, bringing them back to life. Temple bringing them back to life. All those things, right? I, re- I liked both of them, but God. Cliff Kingsbury couldn't had Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, James Conner, Zach Ertz, AJ Green, so many other wide receivers that they picked over the years. And they still couldn't figure it out offensively. They couldn't do it. And they give him a mega extension in the past offseason and then pull pull the plug on him. I uh, Kingsbury, no. Sorry, if this was 2018, Matt, totally different story. <laughs> 2018 or 2019, whatever the hell it was. And I was really big on those guys. No, I, I don't. Ugh. I hope it's not Cliff Kingsbury. Because I don't know if that is the voice that you want. Because I don't think he had the success at the NFL level like some of the other coaches that I listed off earlier had as a head coach and a coordinator. So if they were to fire Mike LaFleur, I hope it's not because they want to bring in Cliff Kingsbury. Because I don't know if that is the right alternative there. Anyway, let's hop into your voicemails now and see what you guys think about the close of the season. All right, first up, we're going to go out to Max calling in from New Jersey. He wants to talk about jet season recap, off-season plans, and... Is this the worst collapse ever? Hi, this is Max from Holman, New Jersey, and here's my recap of the Jets season. This is the uh, biggest collapse the Jets ever had. I think on NFL t- Films Top 10 list, they had the 2000 Jets and the 2008 as the two biggest collapses. I think that this year's Jets team had the biggest class of all of them. They started the season 7-4, and they lost the last six games. But today... I mean, we played good on defense, but we allowed Jason Sanders a 50-yard field goal. And I swear, like, when we were doing the game-winning drive, there was two passes to Garrett Wilson, and it was like, why did the refs not call pass interference? I literally saw a Miami Dolphins player holding Garrett Wilson, and they didn't call pass interference. I'm so, like, the refs are so biased against the Jets, but the refs are just told biased. So here's my think, thoughts that we should do this offseason. Jets need to sign a quarterback badly. Zach Wilson is horrible. He can't make a screen pass. He can't even do a screen pass, which is which is something even like high school quarterbacks can do. But I was thinking for quarterbacks, uh, I want Lamar Jackson, but I think it's very unlikely. So I want the Jets to sign Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. I think Dr- Jimmy Garoppolo is a great game game manager, and I'm not saying Derek Carr is bad. I think Derek Carr is a good option. I just think Garoppolo has. Um, okay. He has experience in the system with 
and we don't need to get a quarterback that's never playing the system. Garoppolo has played under Kyle Shanahan, and this offense is based off uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense, so we should get uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the Jets should also get more linebackers and a safety in the draft because we haven't had a good safety since Jamal Adams. I think we should get, I don't know, like any good safety prospects. I haven't like looked up the draft much, but I would definitely would like getting safety prospects and linebackers who are like better like at tackling. And I also hope this offseason we do not fire either Joe Douglas or Sala. I heard reports that. Woody Johnson might fire Robert Sala or Joe Douglas after a season. I think it would be a big mistake if Woody Johnson fires Robert Sala. I think, and I understand, like, Sala is not the greatest coach. I mean, no coach is perfect, but what what Sala has done in two years is he turned the Jets program around, and I do not want Woody Johnson to fire Sala because we're not, because, like, what are the head coaching candidates? I mean, I mean, I'll be okay if they fire style if we can get into, like, Sean Payne or something, who's, like, won, like, a Super Bowl with the Saints, and they turn the Saints around. Like, I would be okay if we had Sean Payne, but if we're trying to fire style with other coaching candidates, like Shane Steichen, like, is that the, yep, that's the only other coaching candidate I want besides uh, Sean Payne. And... All right, Max ran out of time there. His three minutes hit but there there was a lot in there i don't know if i would call it the worst collapse i i think 2008 was worse they were eight and three and i, I think they were the one seed at that point now i know seven and seven and four to seven and ten is terrible um there's there's no denying that i would put that like as i said i'd put that pretty high up on the list 2000 they were nine and four and then lost the last three to the the Raiders, the Lions, and the Ravens. That's that was pretty bad. Also, I, for some of the old heads, S. Greenbean. Uh, sorry, I know I just threw him way under the bus. But 1986, they started what 10 and one. Yeah, they started 10 and one, and then finished the season 10 and six. They did make the playoffs and win a playoff game. So I don't know if that's necessarily qualifies as a as a collapse. Um, it was bad. I mean, I guess we're we're splitting hairs there, but it's it's you know there's no debate that it was very very bad. What happened there? I agree with you. I don't think they're going to change um, head coach or GM, nor should they. And in, in it's a different story if a year from now we're talking about another seven and ten season. At that point, completely again different conversation. I don't think that's where the Jets are going to be. I think they do take that step forward, but uh, not worth having that conversation. At this moment, and I, I said it in my open, and I think Jimmy G is probably a likely choice based on the success that he had in San Francisco and his familiarity with both Robert Sala and uh, and our, and uh, Mike Lafleur, who's his past game coordinator there. Do I love it? I don't know if I necessarily go as far and say that I love it. I think it makes sense. I think he'd be okay, but you better have a good backup, or you better hope Zach Wilson takes that leap. Because if he needs to come in and play, which fortunately is likely with Jimmy Garoppolo, not great. Steven from Virginia is next. He wants to talk about LaFleur. Let's do it. Matt, Steven out of Virginia. Matt, once again, a laughing stock of a team. Michael Floor has to go, man. Sorry. He failed his franchise quarterback. 
can't scheme one touchdown open. Just a joke. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, no touchdowns in the last three weeks is pretty, pretty damning. Uh, I, I know what they were dealing with. I understand that. But it's they limped to the finish line. Limped. Three, six, and six points in your final three games. It's not good enough. No matter how you slice it, it isn't good enough. And that's why I think that at an absolute minimum, they're going to add a a veteran offensive mind to help this along. Because there's some things that LaFleur does that I really like, but it's hard not to be critical with some of these other issues. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It's And that was a short and sweet one, Stephen. Uh, I, I get it. You're not alone in that sentiment. A lot of people think that... Uh, that way, a lot of people do. And it makes sense with just how bad they limp to the finish line. It's unfortunate. Constantine from Florida is up next. He says, what does he want to get into? Optimism for 2023? Okay, I like this. Let's go. Hey, Maddie, it's Constantine from Florida. What's up, dude? I just got to say, Matt, I really appreciate you, bro. Thank I you. I mean, you've made this Jets season unbelievably fun for me. The fact that I could call in. Praise when I can, vent when I can, and it's all because of you. People out there, Jets Nation, we need to lobby for this guy to either get syndicated or picked up by a football network because this guy is real. Now, going to the Jets season, not exactly the way I wanted them to finish, but I'm going to tell you what. I heard all the calls last week. That's why I didn't call. I'm very optimistic about this team. You got to be. If you're a true Jet fan, you're going to believe that they're going to get the right quarterback, which in my opinion, Derek Carr will come in and make this offense hum. And that'll motivate the defense to play a lot harder and a lot longer. So when you have a defense that's out there during the entire duration of the game and you don't have an offense that can complement that defense, that's what happens. So I'm very optimistic about next year. Suffice to say, I think that with Brees Hall, God willing, his injury, he heals well, and he runs the way he did before he got injured, and the way Garrett Wilson is just turning into an absolute wide receiver of a beast, oh, man, we're definitely going to be something to be feared in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. I believe that in my heart. Now, I want to say one thing. Please. To those idiots out there that want to send out toxic messages to players and families, I'm going to leave you with a thought. What if that Monday night game, the Jets were playing, and what if the player that was on that field, that basically died on that field, what if it wasn't DeMar Hamlin? What if it was Sauce Gardner? Take a minute, reflect, and think about that. Because that's what these players put on the line. Show some damn respect. If you can't show respect, don't call yourself a Jet fan. Don't give me a bad name. I've been a Jet fan for 53 years. Put up with all the shit you could possibly imagine. But I've never, ever, ever done anything stupid like that. So whoever did that, get a life. 
And as far as, as the Jets go, one last time, and you'll be hearing plenty from me next year. J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 let's go. Love you, Mac. <laughs> Thank you, man. Constantine, hope to continue to hear from you in the offseason. All you guys, this show's not going anywhere. Now, normally, in years gone by in the offseason, I'd switch back to uh, having the Monday release. Uh, but I think I'm going to stick with the Wednesdays um, I, throughout the offseason as well. It was kind of just easier when I was working the other jobs. And then, like, uh, Sunday was usually an off day. And I record Sunday evening and have it ready for Monday. And then couldn't really do that during the season because they were playing on Sunday. So then I'd switch to a midweek show. I kind of like Wednesday, middle of the week. So I think I'm going to stick with that for, for this program, reworking some things with scheduling. I'm working on a little bit of a bigger project right now. So I didn't do any of the live streams during the week in uh, the the Jet Reports, which was Monday to Thursday at 2. Uh, but I'm reworking some things. If you have suggestions or, or thoughts, uh, I'm I'm open to it. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I could do every single thing that you guys um, would would like to to see or hear it's just unfortunately there's just not enough hours in the day but if a lot of people are saying hey we, we want to see this then you know that's something that i would consider doing if there's you know there's an interest or a demand for it but a few things here from constantine that are important i like the the optimistic lens that you really that you go into and i appreciate the kind words from you as always my friend um i like car i think he'd be really really good in this system as well Look, I focus on the last bit. And I know it's something I talked about a few weeks ago when this was a bigger story with the uh, with the the drama with the toxic uh, Zach Wilson's mom calling the Jet fans toxic and stuff like that. But I really appreciate you bringing up the point with Demar Hamlin and thank God he's out of the hospital. Um, what a story that was, and just being able he really captivated the the sports world. Unfortunately, with that injury on the field, that was. Awful, terrible, terrible, terrible to see. But what came out of it, I think you could take a positive of just how many people rallied around him. And, you know, it really brought attention to some of the things that are a little bit more important about this game of football that we all love and, and player safety and, you know, what these, like you say, what these guys put on the line every week. And I'm not saying that you have to be, I don't think Constantine is saying this either, either that you have to be, you know, just a, a fanboy and that everyone's great and this and that. But it's one thing to, and this is what I said then too, it's one thing to be critical and say like, hey, you know, Zach Wilson, man, it's not clicking. I think they have to move on. I don't think he's the answer. That's one thing. It's another thing when you're screaming at the kid to kill himself on all these other drastic, terrible, terrible, terrible things that were, were said to him. It's not right. It's not. And like you said, imagine if it was someone, if DeMar Hamlin was someone on our team, how would you feel? Or even worse, what if you were in that spot and you were the one sending those messages? I can't even put myself in that situation. It's never dawned on me to send a hate message to someone on social media like that. And then that guy's hurt and that guy's lying on the field. It's not right. You should be able to separate the human side of it and the sports side of it. And I was glad that a lot of Jeff fans were able to support DeMar Hamlin's charity and really help him out because you know what? He's a good guy. That's what I found out about DeMar Hamlin throughout this. He's a stand-up human being and 
it makes me happy that people were able to raise money for his charity and maybe people will take a, a, a second thought into not sending that message. So thank you, Constantine, for bringing that to, to light because I agree with you. Vinny from Peak Skill wants to talk about uh, LaFleur not being able to adapt and overcome injuries. Greetings, fools! It is I, Skeletor! Oh, God. Future ruler of and morbidly depressed Jets fan! God, I have not seen such incompetence since that three-bag beast man failed to bring back my dry cleaning! All right, that's enough of that. Jesus. All right, there you go. There's that promise. But the real reason why the Jets lost this game, Mike LaFleur cannot adapt to the personnel he's stuck with. Look, the plays you're running, he was running, would be fine if you had a healthy offensive line and you had Brees Hall and you had this and that and so on. When the injuries piled up, you have to adapt. Teams do it all the time in the NFL. They get hurt, they lose key players, but they find a way to adapt and overcome. And he simply was not able to adjust. He's still trying to call the same exact plays as if everything is fine. And it's just not. They're really going to need to work on this offense in the offseason. I mean, we already know quarterback, offensive line, bring in a veteran offensive mind to work alongside him or just plain out fire him and replace him. Whatever you do, you need to do something because we cannot run it back with just him there in charge of the offense. That's all. And, and that's all. And go Jets. Uh, I thought you were going to do it in the voice. Vinny, so if you don't know why he was doing that voice, in the pregame show, he sent in a super chat and was like, "Hey, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. You, you guys decide who you want to hear." And he gave a couple of options. So I picked Skeletor. Thank you, Vinny from Peak Skill. Make me laugh as always. And um, the injuries was such a big thing for for Lafleur and him not being able to adapt from that point because people don't want to hear it, but it's true. the The offense before Brees and AVT went down versus after was drastically different, and I think most people saw it coming. AVT was the MVP where it was playing left tackle, right tackle, right guard and playing at a high level. And Brees Hall was on his way to win the offensive rookie of the year before he got hurt seven games into his season. It stinks. I think things would have been a lot different for this team. Um, offensively, I think they could have survived the bad quarterback play, but the line went to hell, the run game went to hell, and everything else went to hell after that. And I, I think, you know, we talked about it on this episode a ton, but... You got to get some sort of veteran in here to go along with LaFleur. Nick from New Jersey is going to close us out here. He is the final call. He wants to talk about potentially trading picks and going after Lamar. I'm interested. Yo, Matt O'Leary, what's going on? Nick from New Jersey. Haven't called in a long time. Just want to say what's up. Not the greatest end of the season, I know. Um... And it looks like we're going to have to be looking into quarterbacks. But I just want to get into a trade scenario. And um, you, if you think this is reasonable, maybe you can fix this into something better, more reasonable if you don't like it. Or if you say it's reasonable. Or if you propose something, a different kind of trade. Well, this is what I'm thinking. Because we have 
several players we don't need that are considered number one talents that we can trade that are enticing to other teams, right? So they could be intrigued with maybe Corey Davis, Carl Lawson. Maybe we trade Elijah Moore and we package up a few picks in there. I know we need our picks this year, but maybe we could trade next year first and then this year second or third. I don't know how much. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a boatload for Lamar Jackson. Um, I'm sorry if I didn't say that. Um, but it's going to be a lot this year and a lot next year. I know that. So that's why I'm saying the first round, a second round this year, maybe a fourth rounder and a third next year. So you let me know what you think of that if we trade those three players for including those picks. So let's see where we're at. And, um, Hopefully we can get Lamar Jackson or some other quarterback in here to either help Wilson or take this team to the next level. And let's go Jets, and let's try to make the playoffs next year. Bye. Love it. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. I think that's got to be the mindset. Let's make the playoffs next year. I think a lot of the guys you listed off, I don't think Corey Davis and Carl Lawson are going to really fetch you a whole lot in a trade because of their contract situation. Elijah Moore is interesting. I think that is probably one of the more tradable guys. Lamar, I I, I think, is probably your best option at quarterback for this team. I know people are going to say uh, Rodgers, Jimmy G, Derek Carr, Lamar, you know, and go right down the line. I don't think it's super likely because Baltimore is so well run. I don't see them letting a guy who's, you know, a borderline top 10 quarterback to just become available. What makes that situation of acquiring Lamar Jackson difficult for the Jets is because you have to give up a ton of draft assets to get him. Then you have to extend him, give him a ton of guaranteed money, and that's going to, you know, preclude you from signing some other guys. Right and, and addressing your team in other areas. You have to decide internally, is it worth it at that point to do it? To say, all right, we're going to go for our guy. This is we who we believe he's a franchise quarterback. We're going to pay him. We're going to trade for him. And we'll figure out the rest out. It's bold. It would be a big swing. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't at all. I don't think it... Lamar gets a lot of criticism. I think some of it's unfair. I think he's a better passer than some people give him credit for. Is he my favorite quarterback in the league? No, but I don't think he is nearly as bad as what some people make him out to be. I think he's good. I think he's a damn good player. Uh, It would be a significant upgrade in his age, too. He's 26. So even if his career does end early, like some people say that all running quarterbacks, they don't last. Well, that's the case, then you still probably have another five or six years with him until he's 31, 32. But I don't even know if that's necessarily fair to say. He's, he's a dynamic, dynamic player. Anyway, that's going to do it for me on this episode. Please make sure to subscribe to the Just Jets podcast wherever it is that you get your show, whether it be on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever. Leave a review, a comment, like, share with a friend. All the little stuff really really matters a lot. And I know you guys are probably tired of hearing from it with the creator saying, Oh, leave a like or subscribe and all this stuff, but it it matters to the algorithm. It gets us in front of more people. It allows us to do uh, different things on on the channel and on the podcast. So I appreciate you guys supporting Uh, reminder that you can follow on social media. I'm Matt O'Leary NY podcast has its own socials as well. Just jets pod. And it's going to be a big, big, big off season. I'm not going anywhere. So thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Matt and I will talk to you next time.